verse 12 through chapter, through all of chapter 2. So we're just going to read from some selected verses. So 114 says this, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. Verse 2-1 says this, I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. 2.15 says this, Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. 2.22-23 What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun. For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for a heart to receive what you have for us to say. We ask that by your Spirit's power, you would open our eyes to understand and grasp the wisdom uh, that is here. And we pray that um, if there's someone here that does not know you, that they would see, perhaps for the very first time, uh, that the life that they have pursued apart from you uh, has no hope for them. And I pray for the Christian here who feels hopeless in all of the uh, difficulties that they may be facing, I pray that they would be drawn um, back to the reality that their only hope uh, in this life is to pursue and to know you, and um, everything else uh, will flow in its proper place as a result. We just pray for that in Christ's name, amen. Um, so if we read Ecclesiastes, um, you know, a couple of times even maybe, you might just come away and say, uh, this guy's pretty depressed about life, and he's had a lot and experienced a lot, but he's pretty depressed. And there's an aspect of that, and then there's another side that I think, um, as a wisdom teacher, sometimes he has to take you to a place uh, where you are uh, disturbed by what you see. He's not going to allow you to uh, put your hope and trust in all that this world promises. He just will not do that. And so... As a wisdom teacher, he's going to bring you to a place of saying, you know, this life is really hopeless if I put all my hope in it. If I, everything that I can see and touch becomes the focus of my life. So he's going to ask the big questions that everybody asks, and he is going to help us think about it. So I just want you to go back to chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, and you just see the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And so he's going to say that, and then he's going to explore the areas of life that you and I uh, may have a tendency to pursue and to find meaning in and a hope in and ultimate hope in. And so the first thing he's going to explore is wisdom. The second is pleasure. And the third is work. Tom Nelson speaks of it as uh, if you were to think about like a college student, uh, they head off to school. A lot of times they start out 
and they're all about fun. Then they move from fun uh, to maybe, you know, their parents say, hey, you've got to start studying. So they pursue knowledge and wisdom to some extent. And then uh, in the third step, they would pursue work because now it's time that, you know, you can't continue on the payroll at mom and daddy's house. It's time for you to go out and make a living. And so a lot of times you see that pattern. And then a lot of us would say, you know, we are in that cycle kind of throughout our adult life. And so he's going to chase those things down with you and say to you, I've, I've ran after those. It is, um, it's like chasing after the wind. And I, it's like a mirage. And so you want to just stop and consider that you're not trying to find your satisfaction, hope, and security in what the things of this world might have to offer. If you think, I've got Jesus for eternity, and then I have all these things uh, for the present, you've messed up in the way that you think about life. And so he's helping you think about life and, and really pursue it and understand it and consider it uh, so you don't have to live your whole life pursuing some of the things that maybe he did for the wrong reason. And so you just kind of want to see it that way. So let's start with the vanity of wisdom. We're going to look at uh, two passages uh, really for that um, because of, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it would be easier for you kind of part one, part two. 1, 12 to 18 is part one. And then 2, 12 to 17 is part two of that idea of the vanity of wisdom. And so if you just look at that in verses 12 through 17, you will see he applied his heart to seek and search out wisdom under the sun. And so he is pursuing that. So I want you to look at that with me and think about it. Uh, when he's applying his heart, it's at like the deepest part of him. It's, it's more than just spiritual. It's the operation of the human life. It is the heart of everything. It flows from, uh, it's like the control center of life. And so I think it's just important to say that's deep within him. He's going to pursue this. He's going to do it at the highest possible level that he can pursue. That, that's where he is. And he's going to say, hey, there's a lot of difficulty here. When I started to acquire great wisdom, I really pursued it at a level that nobody had before. And he realized that there were things that he could not straighten out. All the work that you would do would never, ever really get it straightened out. And the deal is, most of you, if you've studied your life or other people's lives, you see that. They can work at any endeavor and try to make things straight and orderly and organized, and it just doesn't work. He had all of the intellect, all of the desires, the time, the money, all these things to explore uh, what is wise, to explore wisdom. And these things, he could not get all of that down. Under the sun, it would not satisfy uh, life for him. It would not bring the satisfaction uh, that it, it would have promised maybe to do. He also studied folly because sometimes that's what you do. If you want to learn, you got to study the positive and the negative. And he studied uh, folly or foolishness. And he's almost saying like the difference, he almost is studying the difference between what is right and what is wrong because he wants to be kind of all well-rounded. And so he thinks about all of those things, and he studies it, and it's frustrating him. And it, it'll frustrate you. That's what you have to say to yourself. 
I mean, it is frustrating as you work to really understand those things. Because there are things that you just don't fully understand. And as he's working through it, he's looking at stuff and he's looking at people and he thinks, when I studied all of this wisdom, gathered it all, I still have to be around um, people that are almost, you would say, idiotic about things. It's frustrating at times to be wise because you see more and more foolishness. This, the, the wiser you are. And I think that's part of the struggle is, in a way, that's why people would say ignorance is bliss. Because it would just be better to be foolish and not know. But ultimately, he just says, it's not bad to learn things, we would say, ultimately. They just have a limitation. They cannot give true meaning to your life. That's why the Scripture says in Jeremiah, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts in this that he understands and knows me, for I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. So it's saying, like, make that shift in your life. Do it quickly. Ecclesiastes shows you, like, human wisdom can only take you so far. So what what do you do? I mean, there's ultimately that end result where you're saying, there, there is this place for us. To be able to say, it can only produce so much. And so what do I do? I come to that moment where I say, look, the only true answers are found in God. They are found in His Son who came and gave His life for us that could make all things that are wrong right. And all things that are upside down, the right side up. He showed that in His life. He offered us that in His death and in His resurrection. So we see the vanity of pursuing wisdom Life apart from God. You do that. You pursue wisdom apart from God. You gain all the wisdom of the world. And he's saying, listen, I've done that. And it does not produce what you think. You will end up really frustrated if that's what you're hoping for. And then in 2.12 to 17, you kind of see a part two of wisdom. The frustrating thing for him was he was very wise And what happened was, is in his wisdom, he realized that there were going to be people that came after him that might be foolish. And the people that come behind him are not going to do anything different than he had already done. It seemed like a waste. You know, when you think about how hard it is, you kind of to gain understanding, then the generation behind you has to start over. It just feels, it's perplexing. And it's a struggle. And it was a struggle for him. It was frustrating for him. He says, although that wisdom is better, like light is better than darkness, and, and sight is better than being blind, he says they both end up in the same place. So it's like, even if you're really wise in this life, you're ultimately going to die. And not only that, nobody's going to remember And nobody, especially in the world we live in, really cares. The fact is, people will be passing by your grave marker in a short period of time, and most will not know your name, nor will they care whether you were wise or a fool. And he's like, this is frustrating. 
I mean, that, that, and sometimes you even think about like a eulogy and you think somebody's going to give you 10 minutes that probably doesn't even know you, right? And whether you are a wise man or a foolish man, that's going to, you know, it's, it's just, that's all coming. And he says, like, why pursue wisdom if you're all going to the grave and no one will remember? So he's talking about vain pursuits. The first is wisdom. The second is pleasure. I want you to look at 2.1. In 2.1. I said in my heart, come now. I will twist you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. So he's moving. He's moving from wisdom from knowledge, from thinking about all those things that, uh, uh, from the study of, of life under the sun, he's, uh, you know, all that he had gained in that regard. And he says, you know, it's not going to satisfy. It's not going to fully satisfy. I mean, it might be better, but it's not lasting. It's a vapor. And so he goes to pleasure. And he says, I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. You'll notice in this text, I, me, my. Have you ever sat down with uh, somebody that is um, pursued pleasure? There's a lot of talk about what they have done. I did this. I've done that. You know, and they're... They built their life for themselves. He is, in a way, it's like he is pursuing his own happiness. It's like his chief end in life is his personal happiness, his personal enjoyment. And so he pursues all the things that people say would make somebody happy. He is going to take the good times as far as he possibly can go. I heard a guy um, that was a really famous musician not too long ago saying, I just always hoped that the party would never end. And sicknesses made the party end for him. But anyway, he's going to pursue good times. And he's going to do it with... Uh, in a way, by saying, I'm keeping my mind as I do it. I can think clearly. So first, he chooses comedy. I don't know, some of you may love to watch uh, a stand-up, you know, and you enjoy that. And he says, you know, and sometimes those people are really crude, and sometimes they're actually just kind of funny, but ultimately, some of them go to extents where you're just like, there, there's nothing good about that. It, basically, the cynic who is funny can stand up and speak of, you know, all these things. But he says, I pursued that. I said of laughter, it is mad and pleasure. What use is it? He, it it's, he said, you know, there's only so much time you can sit there and laugh at foolish things. You know? That's what he's saying. You can't spend your whole life, you know, trying to somehow find humor in everything and... uh and in a way, it almost like seems like some people that do that like tear people down over and over and over again. Uh, another one was alcohol. He said, I searched my heart to how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. What is he saying? 
I think he's drinking too much. I mean, I don't think some people would see this as, well, maybe he's like drinking really fine wines, you know, which it may, he probably was. He probably was. But I think this would be over uh, too much wine, you could say. Um, because that's really, I mean, scripturally, the scripture doesn't speak of uh, total abstinence, it, but it's, it speaks of the danger of drinking too much. But he's kind of saying, look, from a pleasure standpoint, I'm pursuing this, and in doing that, he's drinking heavily, I think, clearly. And in do, see, sometimes, I mean, it, it, you think, well, how'd you keep your wits about you? Maybe he just would stop and reflect occasionally. And so he is going to try that, because if, if laughing won't work, I need something to help me laugh more, maybe, you say. So not only that, he was also someone who did great things that bring a lot of pleasure to mankind, especially someone, you could say, driven like him. He was an architect, a builder, a developer. He's almost like a renaissance man. He's not only pursuing wisdom, but he's also building and accomplishing and doing all that. And you see all the things that he did. It reminded me of Biltmore, like the Biltmore Estates, but multiplying that. Multiple houses, multiple gardens, multiple vineyards. And so he's building all of these things. And uh, you could think of uh, he had to employ all these people to do it. And um, he's growing and in, in accomplishing and developing and probably coming up with new methods of, of you know, study of those things. And again, all the while pursuing pleasure. It's fun to do that. It's fun to accomplish that. It's fun to develop those kinds of things. And he's saying, but they're not satisfying him. All that he pursues. Verse 7, he bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in his house and great possessions of herds and flocks. It's kind of like that requires a lot of people and um, a lot of food and possessions and all those kinds of things. Uh, We're not talking about right or wrong on all of that stuff. We are just saying he developed in all those areas. He not only sought all that that the world could offer in the arts and in, in sex and all those things. You have this picture of artists coming together and developing with singers and all of those kinds of things. So he's developed all of that. And this, this thing that he has developed and he's accomplishing is not satisfying him. All of the wine, all of the women, all of the song, all of those things, none of it would satisfy him. He says, I surpassed everybody that had come in Jerusalem. And my wisdom remained with me, verse 10. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had experienced in doing, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. There's an article or an interview that it was in an article, but an interview by Tom uh, with Tom Brady, I say, and he um, was asked about at this time the three Super Bowls he had won, and he said, "Like, is this all of it? Is this it?" 
And there's a part of me that's like, I mean, because once you reach the apex of your career and life, and is that it? And um, there's got to be more. And the interviewer asked him, well, then what's the answer? And he said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. He had it all. Like, he pursued it all, got it all. You know, one of the biggest struggles of people in life that early on get all that they ever dreamed of, all that they ever wanted, they get it early. The, the difficulty for them is that they get to that place and they still, they're like, what, is this all it was? You know. Um, so anyway, you see this. You see this longing. And, you know, the real deal is, is what is he going to say? He's ultimately going to say, fear God and obey his commandments at the end when it all comes down. Find pleasure in him. Put your hope in him. Be satisfied in him. Pursue him. One writer said, Lord, I have all things if I have but thee. That, that's, he is the one who would satisfy the human heart, who does. And, but God is not some spoil sport where he's like, you shouldn't enjoy anything that I've created. That's crazy. Why did he create it if you can't enjoy it? You know, so there's like this struggle here is saying like ultimate meaning in life is not found in those things. But when you find ultimate meaning, then those things can actually, you can find joy in them. So that you pursue God as ultimate meaning, the creator, not the created things. And then life is centered and there's a proper balance and focus. So he speaks of in pursuits, their vanity, the vanity of wisdom, the vanity of pleasure and the vanity of work. He says in 18 through 26, I hated all my toil, which I told unto the son seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he'll be a fool. That's a difficult thing. Someone's worked their tail off their whole life. Always working. Always accomplishing. Doing everything they can to use their time best. And who knows? Who will come after him? Will he be foolish? I mean, or wise. Will he take what I've done and multiply it, bless more people, glorify God with it or not? Will he hoard those things? Will he spend them lavishly? Will he hurt other people with all that I've done? Will he hurt himself? He's saying, this is vanity. We don't know whether he'll be wise or foolish. It's almost like, you know, why would I have spent so much time doing something that someone's going to undo overnight? I mean, that, what would that be like to have toiled for these things and just to know that it all can be destroyed? You think about Solomon with his son Rehoboam. He, Solomon dies, Rehoboam is called up, he's the king now. He goes to the elders, the elders said, lighten the load. He goes to the young men, they say, turn up the heat. He listens to the young men. A foolish man. Verse 22 and 23. 
What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in night, his heart does not rest. What's the idea? He's saying he's exhausted, but he can't even sleep. He can't even rest at night. And then he's so beat up by it that his whole life is, in a way, he's restless at night and restless during the day. Then in verse 24 to 26, there is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or drink or who can find enjoyment? For the one who pleases him, God has given him wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he's given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This is vanity and striving after wind. What's he saying? He's saying God does give you opportunity. It's like a little glimpse of God here. He does give people opportunity to enjoy those things in their proper place. In their proper place. And ultimately, all the wicked, they'll ultimately be giving back to his people. All that he has of the world. The whole earth is ours. But you see in this, the ultimate wisdom, ultimate joy, ultimate satisfaction is found in God. When it's properly seen, put all together, then your the wisdom and pleasure and work, all of those things are a part of his plan. We can enjoy those if we put our hope and trust in him, if we find our satisfaction in him, if we delight in him. But if you put all the weight of your happiness and joy on this present world, it will never produce. It can never hold up to that pressure. And so we should build our life on Christ, live for him, find enjoyment and satisfaction and meaning in him, delight in his gifts, but only delight in them. Don't hold fast to them as if they are everything. They are nothing. They are passing away. So pursue him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask for wisdom and insight in my own life, in the life of our church. May you be honored with us as we see you as our hope and satisfaction, as we build our life on the rock who is Christ, as we don't stand on sand that will not truly do what it promises. It is no foundation. May we build our foundation on you. May we rest in you. May we trust in you. May we delight in you. And then delight in the gifts. May we look forward to a day when everything is restored. All things are made right. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Every week we take the Lord's Supper together.